You know, you might find it shocking, but occasionally when I'm writing a note to myself, instead of writing out Christmas, I write what appears to be Xmas. I know that stirs the blood of some because they feel it's leaving Christ out of Christmas, and it can be. But when I write it, I'm actually using the Greek letter chi, which is short for Christos, which means anointed one, Messiah, or Christ. So I'm not leaving Christ out of Christmas, and obviously neither should anyone. In fact, Christmas isn't Christmas without Christ. I think everyone understands that, and maybe that's why some like to say Happy Holidays instead. But Christmas is about Christ. You can't even say it without using the name of Christ. So the real danger isn't leaving Christ out of Christmas, but forgetting who he is. And while I'm sure Paul wasn't thinking of Christmas when he wrote to the Colossians, he did address a tendency to forget who he is. In fact, he told us how the world tries to make us forget who he is. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, he writes, See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. Again, Paul didn't have Christmas in mind when he wrote that. But I think what he said exposes how the world can get us to forget Christ during Christmas. He begins by warning us not to let anyone take us captive, to let anyone carry us away. And I trust we're all keenly aware how easy it is to get carried away during Christmas, to get carried away by the way the world thinks something Paul refers to as philosophy. Now, philosophy, the love of wisdom, isn't in and of itself a bad thing. We can learn a lot by studying the way philosophers thought out the dilemmas of life in the past and studying the way men think today can give us insight into the way decisions are made. We must not However, allow ourselves to be entrapped by the thinking of men. And we avoid being made captive to their thoughts by staying centered on the thoughts of God, on what we find revealed in his word. Now, people are paid big bucks to crawl into our heads and control our thinking, especially during the Christmas season. And a profitable ledger sheet is often determined by not only getting us to think in certain ways, but by also actually deceiving us. You know, how often have you been deceived into thinking that your life wouldn't be complete 
without something you've seen advertised on TV or talked about on Facebook. Or you become obsessed to the point of forgetting why you're buying a gift because you're so consumed by a quest to find something that you know someone just has to have. You know, the Internet may have reduced the time spent actually walking the aisles in search of the essential item that will make someone happy, but the pressure is still on to find it. Obviously, the deception Paul is talking about goes deeper than being convinced happiness depends on something that's wrapped under a Christmas tree. But if we can be deceived into thinking our life consists in the abundance of the things we possess, we've lost focus on the gift that was placed in a manger on Christmas morning. Paul also notes that the traditions of men can carry us away from Christ. And traditions abound during the Christmas season. Again, traditions in and of themselves aren't bad. They can tie one generation to another and and build a strong family identity. I'm sure we all have family traditions that we love. But we do need to be careful that our traditions don't overshadow the celebration of Jesus' birth. When I was a boy, there was no sign of Christmas in our home on Christmas Eve, other than a plate of cookies for Santa and a carrot for Rudolph. When Dad got home from working all night in the mailing room of the Illinois State Journal, and Mom got up from working late into the night in our living room, we were awakened to find that Santa had brought us a tree and a room full of presents. When I got old enough to know better, the thrill of Christmas was gone. Christmas has to be more than waking up to find packages under a tree. And if it's nothing more than stopping to sing happy birthday to Jesus before you rip into the packages, make sure he remains in the midst of your traditions. And then... When Paul speaks of the elementary principles of the world, I believe he's thinking about the world's concepts of right and wrong. And we do have to be careful that Santa doesn't make us believe we deserve what we get on Christmas morning. That if we're good little boys and girls, we will be rewarded for being good. Maybe never forget that there is no way we can be good enough to deserve God's Christmas gift. There is no way we can be found acceptable in His sight outside the sacrifice of His Son made on our behalf when He went from Bethlehem to Calvary. So there are dangers in the philosophy, the deception, the traditions, and the principles that surround Christmas. And the danger boils down to the fact that they can cause us to forget who it really is whose birth we are celebrating at Christmas. Fortunately, Paul goes on to make it clear who 
Jesus is. Who it is that was born to Mary on Christmas morning. He is God. He is Savior. And he is King. Paul puts it this way. For in him, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And in him, you have been made complete. And he is the head over all rule and authority. For in him, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. Jesus is God in bodily form. Form. The scriptures make it clear that God is spirit, that he isn't bound by time or space or any physical dimension. He transcends everything that has been created because he is the creator of everything. And he is eternal without beginning or end. What is true of God is also true of Jesus. He is God. Come to earth in bodily form. Now, he limited himself for a time by becoming a man, but he never stopped being God. In fact, Paul made perfectly clear in him all the fullness of deity dwells. When Jesus came to earth as the Son of God, he didn't come as a part of of God as one third of the Trinity, he came fully as God, albeit in bodily form, and all the fullness of deity remained in him. The word the New American Standard translates as deity is used only here in the New Testament. It's a form of the word for God, but it carries with it a picture of the fullness of of God. And the King James Version actually translates it as Godhead. It means the totality of divine attributes and power. Jesus isn't just divine in that he shares the characteristics of God, he is God, totally and fully God in bodily form. As Paul said back in Colossians 1.15, he is the image of the invisible God. He is the visible manifestation of the invisible God. There are a lot of pretenders out there, New Age gods, Eastern gods, even secular gods. Man has a tendency to make a god out of anything he can set up as the driving force in his life. The gods we create are all false gods. They're not really gods at all. We just pretend that they are. We allow them to control our life, to set our priorities, to even enslave us. And we do so because we need to have a higher power in our life. We need to have something that gives meaning to life, something we hope will transcend death. But if we allow the world to convince us that Jesus was simply one among many divines who walked among us, 
we're always going to be looking for another. One who will give us more of what we want and require less of us in return. One we can fashion into our own image. But Jesus alone is God in the flesh. The one in whom the fullness of deity dwells. Jesus alone is the one we worship on Christmas and throughout the year. Because Jesus alone is God. And Jesus alone is Savior. And in him, you have been made complete. In Christ, we have been made complete. In Christ, we have been perfected, made whole, been cleansed of all sin, and made acceptable to the Father. In Christ, we've been given all that we need to be all God intends us to be. We need nothing else. We need look no further. Through Christ, we can partake of the divine nature. Through Him, the Holy Spirit can actually indwell us and empower us. Through Christ, we can find the abundant life here and now. And through Christ... We can find life eternal. What more can we need? Nothing. Nothing. If we don't feel complete in Christ, it's not because he is inadequate. It's because we have forgotten who he is. We have forgotten that he is Savior. The one who saves us from ourselves and our foolishness and our sin. He is our Redeemer. The one who loved us enough to pay the price required to bring us back into fellowship with our Creator. He is the one who enables us to live as God intends and to live life to its full potential. We need only to trust Him, to give ourselves to Him, and to let Him live His life through us every day. That's how we become complete. And we become complete only in him. Never forget that. And you'll never be taken captive by philosophy or deceit or tradition or principles that can lead you astray. Even the ones that surround us at Christmas time. Never forget that he is God and Savior. King. And he is head over all rule and authority. We live in uncertain times politically. We constantly hear that the one we've chosen to be our president is not worthy or capable of leading us or protecting us. We've grown accustomed to promises being unfulfilled and skeptical of new ones being made. We're threatened by nuclear warheads that have been and are even now being developed. We often wonder who is really in control. And our sense of security is tenuous at best. How good it is to be reminded that Jesus is head 
over all rule and authority. That King Jesus is still on the throne. When writing to Timothy, Paul encouraged him to fight the good fight, to hold tight to the promise of eternal life, and to stay faithful to the commandments without stain or reproach. And he did so by reminding him of who it is that is even now head over all rule and authority. The one he referred to as the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone possesses immortality and dwells in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see. He's talking about Jesus. The one that we cannot see today, but who is nonetheless seated at the right hand of God, watching over us and reigning in the hearts and lives of those who have made them their Lord and King. Now, it is obvious that not everyone allows him to reign over them. And those who choose to ignore his rule are allowed to do so for a time. But the day will come when every knee will bow before him. The wise men who visited Bethlehem were wise indeed. The one they traveled so far to see deserved their worship and their gifts. And if we remember who he is today, we'll likewise come before him with symbols of our adoration and with our hearts as well. We'll bow before our God, our Savior, and our King. May we never forget what child it is whose coming we celebrate. And if you've not enthroned him as your God, your Savior, and your King, I invite you to do so now. Let's stand.